Join Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. What are my strengths and what am I bringing to the table? And then also looking at the team and what scenario they're in. So let's talk about the Raptors. So currently, you know, they're top of the Eastern Conference. Um, they've already locked that up for the playoffs. So that's a team that is very established, very high performing over a long period of time, but haven't quite gone on to ultimate success. So that's what you basically need to do when you are coming into a new environment as, as the new head coach. This is the Business Leadership Podcast, and I am Edwin Frondoza. Welcome. How are you doing today? Thank you for joining me today. This is episode number 60, and I'm really excited to share the conversation I had with Cody Royal, the head coach of AFL Team Canada, managing partner of NTSQ Sports, and the author of Where Others Won't. As a sports fan, I see many similarities and inspiration from leaders in both team sports and business organizations. And what's really crazy, that intro preview, Cody had answered a hypothetical question. What would you do if you came into a new situation as the head coach? And crazy enough, here in Toronto, the Raptors had just fired their head coach, Dwayne Casey, who, funny enough, just won head coach of the year. So he talks about what steps you have to take if you're moving into a new role like that. Along with that, we also talk about the most effective measurement tool for a business, what is situational leadership, and how organization awareness helps maintain and set the culture of an organization. Our sponsors today is the Change Leadership Conference, an event that helps prepare leaders, change practitioners, and organizations to lead change in face of AI and robotics. Join me to hear from renowned AI, innovation, and leadership experts on our leading industry panelists in Toronto on May 30th, 2018. And also, Nudge.ai, the leading platform for sales leaders to know which deals might slip this quarter. Now here we go. Welcome to the Business Leadership Podcast, Cody. Edwin, how are you, mate? I'm doing very well, very well today. Uh, thank you for your time. But Cody, why don't we start off by just introducing yourself to our listeners today. Um, tell us who you are and what you like to do when you're, when you're not working. When I'm not working. Um, if there's ever a time. I know, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, my name's Cody Royal. I'm uh, the head coach of AFL Team Canada. I have a, an endurance sports business called Inner Voice. So we do Players' Tribune-style stories on triathletes and cyclists and swimmers. And, uh, yeah, you'll be able to tell from my accent that I'm from Australia. Uh, I was born in Canberra, which most people don't, know is our capital city, kind of like an Ottawa, where it's in between the two major cities and is actually the capital. I was born there, but raised in Melbourne. And when I was 25, I 
did the same thing that most young Australians do and packed up a couple of suitcases and moved overseas and haven't been back. So I live in Toronto now with my fiance and uh, very happy over here. So I'm, I'm really lucky I, I get to stay involved in my sport that I'm passionate about from home and also be around pro athletes and coaches and everything from my business life as well. So very, very lucky. Well, we're really happy to have you here in Toronto, Canada. Um, with that in mind, I know you were talking about passions from, from back home. And so why don't, you, why don't we start off there, Cody? Actually, tell us a little bit about the sport, your passion, and maybe about AFL Team Canada. Yeah, so Aussie Rules is the biggest sport in Australia, probably outside of cricket. I'll say the biggest winter sport. And I think that the thing that I'll clear up straight away is that it's not rugby. Uh, most North Americans think that Aussie Rules is rugby. It couldn't be more different. It's closer to, if you've ever seen Gaelic football over in Ireland, it's uh, very similar. Um, and so, uh, you know, in the, the 80s and 90s when people were – leaving Australia, they, they took football with them and for some reason they landed in Toronto and started a league here and it's blossomed into you know a, quite a big league in Toronto. We have 10 teams in Ontario and then we also have a national program. So we have um, players in Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal and uh, Nova Scotia. And so my role is to bundle all those guys together on the national team and mm-hmm. put put them in a high performance environment, which was my background in Australia. I was in the professional coaching system back in Australia, and so I brought that expertise over here when I came. And so now it's about every three years we go to a, a an Aussie Rules World Cup, which mm-hmm. sounds very funny. Uh, about twenty five to thirty countries go. And we have a big World Cup in Melbourne, and so every three years that occurs. And so my main role is to uh, move us forward as we go towards those tournaments. So when is the next uh, next World Cup? We just had uh, the last one in 2017 in August, so we'll go 2020. Will be the next one. How did so? How did how did how did Team Canada do in the in the the last championship? I guess we finished seventh out of. Uh, I can't remember the exact amount, but about 25. Uh, the year before, oh, the, the tournament before that in 2014, we actually came fourth. So we're there or thereabouts, but the, the major challenge for us is that Australia don't play, obviously, but the countries around Australia that just have more access to the game, both visually, they see it on television mm-hmm. all the time, and also access to cricket fields, which is what Aussie Rules is played on, you know, New Zealand, Papua New Guinea, those guys have just so much access that it's hard to, for our guys to overcome. And I guess, I guess being sort of a national sport, kids grow up playing this right on the playground, right? Oh, big time. Whereas we don't get our guys, you know, the, the thing with Canadians is they think they're going to make the NHL until they're about 25. And so <laughs> we, we don't get them until about then. So then they're learning a completely new skill set at the age of 25 and by the time they've played a couple of years and got into my system with the high performance system they might be in their late 20s so there's some challenges there and we're trying to work through those and get access to younger kids so that we can get them kicking a footy an Aussie rules footy uh, a little bit earlier I guess you're looking at a three-year game plan right now so what are you trying to accomplish in the next year until the next the next world cup yeah so 
We generally go through the same kind of thing in three-year blocks. So the year after the World Cup, really, it's about spreading the uh, the pool again and giving as many people access to footy as we can and then refining that as we move through the years closer to the tournament. So this year is really about getting more people playing the game, get, you know, finding maybe diamonds in the rough that I think I can work with. They might be somewhere out in Nova Scotia and I need to go out there and, and have a look and scout talent over there. They might be, there's a new team in Winnipeg. So, you know, I don't know who the players are in Winnipeg yet. I need to go out and have a look. So, yeah, the this year is going to be about that. Um, 2019 will be about, you know, selection criteria and mm-hmm. finding out, you know, trying to develop some sort of game plan around who I think we'll have access to in 2020. And so, yeah, it, it's very difficult being so spread out, obviously, the size of the country, but mm-hmm. then also, um, yeah, you're dealing in, in three-year blocks. So it's not like I get to walk into work and work with these guys every single day. So it's just about navigating challenges. We we all have them, whether it's business or sport. It's just finding ways around those. Yeah, no, and, and that's interesting, this being a you know business leadership podcast. But I personally find a lot of similarities, whether you're coaching or leading um, a sports team or, or a business. So from your point of view, Cody, what do you think is – you know, a very effective measurement tool? I think that varies. Uh, And, you know, I I wrote a book at the end of last year called Where Others Won't, which to your point uh, compared pro sports and business Mm -hmm. and, you know, looked at, you know, my decade in the corporate world. I worked at companies like CIBC here in Canada, big businesses. And then, you know, I would go and try and develop these teams on the weekend in a high-performing environment as well. And, Honestly, I think the most effective measurement is is really team based. I think there's, I think it's a misconception that you can just read a blog and say I'm going to measure my team that way. Depending on what outcome you're looking for, you need to mould um, your analytics and statistics and measurements around what you're trying to achieve. So, for instance, the one that I wrote about in my book is that the Golden State Warriors when Steve Kerr took the head coaching job, their major internal measurement of how they were going was total passes. And so it's something that you never see appear on the box score on the NBA, but that's they had realized that when their team passes and then the player moves, they create more space for their teammates. And so that was their internal tracker. So that's the sort of stuff where, you know, everyone kind of looks at the game and says, well, points and assists and all these things. But for the for the team themselves and how they wanted to play, they had decided that passes was going to be that measure. So back to my original point, I think we really need to, leaders really need to have a think about what their team is trying to achieve and purely focus on that and build their measurements around that. Do you have any other... I mean, maybe not in sports, maybe in business, a type of analytics or a very specific example that that a different team or a different organization may have looked at and, and really found gold in that measurement. <laughs> there is another one. My, I had access to the Football Federation of Australia mm-hmm. through writing my book and, and I interviewed their head of high performance and also their uh, sports science department and Funnily enough, their key measure is sleep, or one of their key measures is sleep. Wow. And so I, 
I started to have a think about that and, you know, think about they're trying to put their players in a high-performing environment and have them at their peak level of performance for longer, um, which obviously that makes sense when you're in any sort of athletics. But I started to think about how that would translate into the business world, which again was the whole purpose of the book, translating those ideas back. And I, I don't think you even really need to change things. I, I think potentially there's a huge competitive advantage to be had for not only letting your staff work from home, but also trying to, as much as possible, monitor how their performance levels are. Um, so, yeah, I haven't fully figured out what the statistical analytic is, but I think there might be something there where we can start to look at really high-performing uh, environments and stealing things like sleep. How did you sleep last night, Edwin? Do yeah. you feel, you know, are you, are you getting towards your peak performance? And if not, maybe don't work today. One thing I really, really curious about, and I was excited to have you, Cody, because, I mean, I watch a lot of NBA, a lot of basketball, professional basketball, and there's always, I always see, like, coaching changes. So I'd love to get your take as a head coach. What does it take? Like, what steps would you take if you were to move into a new role? I mean, just for argument's sake, say you came in and you had to be the new head coach of the Raptors. Like, what steps would you take coming into that that's this is a, a great question i love this one the first of all i don't think there's a right or wrong answer mm-hmm. i think really where where you start or where i would start would be going back to something that gary vaynerchuk has been beating the drum on for a couple of years now self-awareness so what are my strengths and what am i bringing to the table and then also looking at the team and what scenario they're in. So let's talk about the Raptors. So um, currently, you know, the top of the Eastern Conference, um, they've already locked that up for the playoffs. So that's a team that is very established, very high performing over a long period of time, but haven't quite gone on to ultimate success. So you need to assess that first. And the reason you need to do that is because that's a very different environment than when Brett Brown walked into the Philadelphia 76ers mm-hmm. and they told him, we're going to tank for the next couple of years and acquire number one draft picks. So you really mold your style and I guess you use situational leadership to address the fact that the Raptors have Kyle Lowry and DeMar Rosen who are two obvious leaders in that dressing room and they have these other pieces around it and there's obviously a strong culture and a strong bond amongst the team. So really, uh, if I was to walk into the Raptors tomorrow, I wouldn't change much. Uh, I I think it would be tinkering with little things and actually that's a lot harder to do than the 76ers example where it's just a a greenfield kind of example where you can basically do whatever you want. Um, And so really it's about identifying the scenario that the team's in and then trying to continue to guide them towards their ultimate goal. So, what do you think? Not sure about you, but I find it fascinating hearing from sports leaders and applying their knowledge, their wisdom from coaching teams and bringing it back to to business and business leadership. Is there anything that Cody mentioned that is resonating with you? If you are enjoying this episode, please sign up to our monthly newsletter where 
we share our latest interviews, events, and upcoming guests. Go to thebusinessleadership.com slash newsletter. Let's get back to it. Something that came to mind um, when you look at, you know, with your examples, you talked about uh, the Raptors who are high performing at this point of their of their career, of their history. And then the Philadelphia 76ers who has a long history where they were high performing, they went down. And I'd like to, you know, just really talk about culture. So for the Raptors, it sounds like you wouldn't probably change the culture that it has today. But if you were going into the 76ers, like, what would be the best way to, I mean, set a culture and also maintain it? That's a great question as well. Uh, it's really similar to my last answer. I think there needs to be a an awareness of the organization and their why. Um, and one of the, the really interesting interviews that I did for my book was with Ted Sundquist, who he was the general manager of the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. for about 10 years through the 2000s and worked in uh, their scouting department for 15 years. He was around when Elway was winning Super Bowls and all that sort of thing. And he would interview for general manager roles after he left Denver. And his question always to the owner was, well, what do you want me to do? Do you want to win Super Bowls? Do you want to make money? Do you want to be a, a pass-only team that sells jerseys because your quarterback is the best? Because mm-hmm. what, whatever you want me to do, I'm, I will build the whole culture around achieving that. And so I think there's that element of um, we really kind of need to get back to that why, to use a Simon Sinek example where, um, you know, what does the team stand for? What does, what does it represent to the community? Um, you know, do, you know, the Chicago Bears, the, the people of Chicago expect them to play a certain way. Mm-hmm. So it would, be, it would be detrimental to your leadership style to come in and say, well, I'm going to change 100 years of what you've expected and we're going to go and be this over here now um, because they, they are a huge portion of – Chicagoans identity um, so yeah back to the point I, I think there's a, an analysis that needs to be done when you're walking into a new environment of you know what does it stand for why are we here and then bundle all that together and um, try to use some of those key portions to guide the culture rather than just coming in and saying this is how it's going to be now well it's very difficult too if you were new to the organization to try to try to I guess rock the ship or rock the boat. I mean, some of your examples had the key people, key personnel who's been in the organization for a very long time, so they're very trusted as well. Big time, yeah. And, and that's the thing. It's it's difficult in any organization, but especially in big businesses. And that's where I think even you can go on the micro level where if you run the accounts payable team at Deloitte, Mm -hmm. then, you know, uh, grab all your people around you, grab your team and say, what do we want to become? And you go absolutely micro on that whole idea of, okay, we stand for this. And so obviously we're trying to achieve what Deloitte is trying to achieve on a grander scale, but within within our team, Here's our here's our key metrics, and here's the language that we're going to use to each other that enables our culture. Um, and so it doesn't need to be this grand statement of 
Deloitte read doing their why, it can be a very micro, here's my team of six accounts payable people, but we stand for this. I mean, that's a great example, especially for the listeners out there who may be coming into a new management or leadership role. And of course, you need to play within your constraints of the organization, but you could say, listen, I want our team to be the best team and let's let let's make sure everyone in Deloitte's example, everyone around the world knows about our team. Yeah, exactly, and and that's how I think. Um, I think there's some real, uh, um, you know, you can help other people achieve what they want to achieve, and and then have them say, "How did you do that?" And then you kind of pass on the buck and say, "Well, you know, I did this little thing, and I made this little tweak here." It's it's really an a, a lot of little things that add up. Can you share or can you name a person who had a real tremendous impact on you as 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 the as the leader you are today? Yeah, I I've been really lucky to work under um, quite a few really influential coaches as a football coach and then I I'm obsessive about content around leadership and so I would say probably the person that had the the biggest impact on me was my coaching mentor so his name's Graham Bergen the Mm -hmm. listeners won't know who he is but um, you know he took me under his wing and kind of showed me the ropes in coaching and um, you know we I used to go and stay at his house and we'd sit up and we'd diagram things on his kitchen table and we'd sit up until all hours of the morning. Um, and, and so that really kind of opened my eyes when, when I was younger um, to the world of leadership and, and how to get the most out of teams. And then since then, uh, using that as foundation, now I'm a bit of a patchwork. So I, I wouldn't say there's one particular person that I follow, but I – you know, I love the books of Bill Walsh from the mm-hmm. San Francisco 49ers and I did Seth Godin's Alt-MBA and I took bits from that and I took bits from people that were in the course with me and I, you know, I've gone around and acquired things that I like from a range of different people rather than just following one in particular. No, that's very interesting and uh, I know I had Seth Godin on an earlier episode, the Alt-MBA. Um, when you... I mean, you took that for all, like why? Why did you join that course? I've always been a different thinker, mm-hmm. and so the way it was presented was really interesting to me. Obviously, I was a Seth Godin fan. I, I had listened to his talks and uh, read a couple of his books, and so I, I liked how he presented information. It really spoke to me in a way that not a lot of other writers or orators had been able to touch me on that level before. So when I first read about the course, I was really interested in the, f- the way that it was organized mm-hmm. and the fact that it was a little bit, um, well, it was v- vastly different from a traditional education um, course. So, yeah, all those things together, he was obviously influential on me and then mixed in with, I like to think differently about problems and come up with solutions. And so when you build a whole course around that, it's like, yeah, this is going to be perfect for me and I'll get a lot out of it on a personal level and then also on a networking level. Now I have access to people all around the world that I can call on at any given time. And when you put, you know, 
via the Alt MBA in your subject line of your email, you know you're going to get a response from that person, which is also really cool. That's very cool. Um, so when did you take that, Cody? And, and are you looking towards anything similar, like to continually grow as a leader right now? I took it in May last year, so 2017. Mm-hmm. And no, I, I'm not doing anything at the moment. I'm heads down on my business at the moment. And um, so what AltMBA helped me do was get my book off my plate. So it was it, I was really struggling at that time to get it finished. And through that process, you know, AltMBA is very much about completing your goals and an individual journey rather than everyone coming to the end and taking the same test and getting scored. It's very much about bringing a problem to the table and having other people help you through that. And so I was able to finish my book and now I'm just taking those same learnings that I learned and it's head, heads down on my business at the moment. We've probably got two or three years worth of work to, to get through and then I might look at doing another course or seeing what what's around in that world, you know, in the, say 2020. Nice. And, and 2020 is around the corner, but Cody, since, since since you mentioned it, why don't you tell us a bit, you know, give us the, the, the Coles notes of your book. And also, you mentioned that you had a business now, too. So, love to get more about you and hopefully our listeners could help you out as well if you're looking for something specific. Definitely. So, the book is called Where Others Won't and it is a, a sports business crossover. So, what I wanted to do was dig a little bit more into the real lessons from pro sport and how they're relevant to the business world. So most people think about that on a motivational level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you bring in the quarterback of the football team to talk about motivation, whereas I wanted to be a little bit smarter about that and, and really look at it from an analytical perspective and say, you know, the business world now finds itself in this world where people are the competitive advantage. You know, you can have this great product innovation, but two days later, some kid in a basement's replicated it. And so now we're realizing that if you don't have access to good people and put good structures around good people, you're not going to survive. And what I realized was pro sports has been doing that for decades. Mm -hmm. So I went and looked, I went and interviewed people like um, Ted Sunquist that I mentioned before, Joe Dumas from the Detroit Pistons, um, Ralph Kruger, who used to coach the Edmonton Oilers and now runs Southampton Football Club and said, let's talk about recruitment. Let's talk about mm-hmm. building, cult- building culture. Let's talk about high performance and how you set your people up for success. And let's talk about leadership and really get into the nitty gritty. And then I was able to, ha- having spent a decade in big business in the corporate world, I was able to translate those ideas back into something that managers and executives can take and go, I might try this one thing that might get us over the line that, you know, might move my team forward. Um, so the book is, uh, yeah, uh, a collection of anecdotes from pro sports that are now translated back into kind of corporate speak. Very interesting. Very interesting. And we'll definitely share the link to your book on the episode website, Cody. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know you're, you know, heads down with your book and your business, but are there any other books that you're reading right now, whether it's business leadership or even for fun? Yeah. The 2018, I realized last night I, I sent a tweet. The, 
this year is really priming as a real leap forward in that kind of um, genre of book. So uh, leadership and um, how teams are built and how high-performing teams actually work. So I've just finished The Culture Code, Mm -hmm. which I couldn't recommend more um, by Daniel Coyle. So he's written a bunch of different books from my world as well, the sporting world, and then, um, you know, went and I think put five years maybe into studying for this book. Uh, so that is one that I would definitely recommend. And then also uh, Whitney Johnson is – she's just pre-released her book, which is How to Build an A-Team. And I think that's going to be a real heavy hitter in this world as well. And then there's also – I know there's a Simon Sinek book coming out later in the year um, – called The Infinite Game, which people should keep an eye on because I think there's a reason that uh, people like Seth Godin are starting to talk about infinite finite games. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot coming and 2018 is going to be a blockbuster and I haven't even mentioned uh, Patty McCord's book, Powerful, as well. So she, she was uh, the HR VP for Netflix for 15 years and has some really, really different ideas about how teams work and how to build teams and what you can and can't do with teams in the corporate world. Um, fun question, Cody. If I were to ask any of your team members, either present or past colleagues, uh, what's the best leadership quality that Cody has? What do you think they would say? This is a, this is a tough one. Uh, <laughs> I've, spent, I've spent all the – I've spent uh, – 10 minutes talking about self-awareness and then a question like this. I would say, and what I would like my team says about me is that I'm honest. I I think well, what I try to portray, and I, I hope this would be the message that would come back, would be when I mess up, I'm the one that puts my hand up, even as the coach. And I'm willing to say, you know, I misjudged that or I shouldn't have done that. Um, the same as a player would on a team. So, yeah, that, that ultimately comes back to being honest, both being honest with yourself and then being honest with your team. So I would hope that the guys that play for me and the guys that I lead would say that about me. And I, I think they would. Right. So what else, Cody? I know I know we, we got a lot about, you know, the projects that you have, the things you're working on, but is there anything else that – any other projects and issues that you may not have mentioned or you're really excited about and looking forward to right now? Oh, definitely. I mean, the business that I run now with my friend Travis McKenzie, he's out in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. He's a former competitive triathlete and uh, spent uh, quite a bit of time working for Lululemon. So we went into business together a couple of years ago and we have essentially the Players' Tribune for endurance sports, which is in a really interesting space right now. Um, And Endurance sports really flies under the radar in terms of the following of some of these athletes. Um, you know, a lot of the, particularly the pro cyclists over in Europe, they have bigger followings than NFL quarterbacks. Ah, uh, for sure. Um, and so we've really tapped into that. And so we have an athlete-driven content engine similar to the Players' Tribune where these guys are telling their own stories. So rather than going through the media, you know, they – you know, come out and announce a contract with us or, um, you know, tell their life story, more about the struggles and kind of what has brought them to, you know, move into triathlon because you don't really 
grow up wanting to be a triathlete. You kind of stumble into it a little bit. And so there's some really interesting stories there. And that whole athlete-driven media industry is very interesting at the moment and it's it's getting a lot of traction elsewhere and we've been doing it for two years now and it's really starting to um, bear some fruit which is really really exciting and so when i say i'm heads down for the next two or three years that's what it's on what's uh what's the name of the uh the site it's called inner voice dot life is the url um so we just call it inner voice and really going back to you know your why that's the that's what we're trying to get into is what is a what is someone thinking about on the 26th kilometer of the marathon in an Ironman race? <laughs> um, you know, what, what's going through their mind? And some of these guys are big CEOs. You know, we, we get them on as well. We, you know, are you answering emails in your head when you're doing an Ironman race or out training? Um, so, yeah, it, it's um, it's really, really interesting and it's, it's just primed to – really uh, take off over the next 12 to 18 months, which is really exciting. Cody, before we end, love to get some of your final thoughts, any observations. Ideally, what we like to do on the podcast is share some actionable recommendations that you could share to the emerging or the business leaders who are listening today. Yeah, uh, thanks for asking. I I would say there's really three things that I think – um, in my book, which is the message that I, I beat most people over the head with, there's three things that I try to address or three myths that I'm trying to answer in the in the corporate world for leaders. And I think the first one is um, retention is not an effective measure of your business health, uh, not anymore. Um, and I think what we should look at is, uh, you know, all of your pain starts with recruiting. So, you know, fix the source of the pain, not the symptom mm-hmm. would be a takeaway. Uh, the second myth would be that your team needs to adapt to your leadership style. That's a very archaic way of looking at leadership. And mm-hmm. the, the, the the parallel with pro sports is, um, you know, you need to, like the example I gave before, you need to look at the team and what they're capable of and go and ask them what they're capable of and mold your style around them rather than the other way around. And then the third one would be that culture is a set thing. I think, you know, there used to be annual culture reviews, but it's a daily activity. It's as granular as the verbiage that you use in general conversations. So we need to get to that level um, if we want a high-performing culture, right down to the language that we use with each other. Um, so if you're interested, if those are striking a chord with you, I think you would get something out of the book, which is on Amazon, just uh, where others won't, or uh, punch in Cody Royal, my, my name. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm more than happy to receive emails. My email's in the book, so uh, answer questions uh, and, and help out as much as I can. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, Cody. So to close, I know you just mentioned it, but please tell us where we could find information about you, your book, or anything else you'd want to share to the listeners today. Yeah, definitely. So my, um, sorry, my website is whereotherswont.com. Easy one. You can also punch in codyroyal.com. It takes you to the same site. The book is only on Amazon. It's available on Kindle as well if, if you're an e-reader fan. <laughs> and yeah, so my, my business is um, uh, innervoice.life as well. So they're the places that you can find me. And 
a whole range of uh, email access and uh, LinkedIn access is attached to those sites. So if you want to reach out to me and speak to me, please do. Well, thank you for sharing, Cody. It's been a pleasure and thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast. Thanks for having me. That's it, biz leaders. Thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast, episode 60 with Cody Royal. If you want to learn more about Cody, AFL Team Canada, or anything we discuss, please go to thebusinessleadership.com slash 060. Our sponsors today is the Change Leadership Conference, an event that helps prepare leaders, change practitioners, and organizations to lead change in the face of AI and robotics. Join me to hear from renowned AI innovation and leadership experts and our leading industry panelists in Toronto on May 30th, 2018. And also, Nudge.ai, the leading platform for sales leaders to know which deals might slip this quarter. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com. Help me.